So I'm watching this uh, news story this week, and they're it's on ABC, and they're they're talking about this new website, and it's, it's essentially it's like sugardaddiesandsugarbabies.com, something like that, and it's where uh, wealthy men pay for the company of young women. So in this one example they were sharing, it had this guy is helping this girl out with her college tuition. And all she has to do is spend quality time with him, inclusive of sexual activity. And so the thing that I found remarkable about this is, is that it's not considered prostitution because the law uh, has ruled that as long as other services are included, such as her accompanying him on, uh, you know, to dinner parties, you know, out in public, etc., that kind of thing. And it's not just sex; it's not considered prostitution. And so, all I'm thinking is, is that the cleaning lady has got to start including blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like so you need to negotiate ahead of time. Yeah, man. that's uh, that's. I've decided that that way it's not prostitution. It's just she's cleaning the house and cleaning my pipes. <laughs> With Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. I'm Andrew. You know, and I want to welcome all of our new listeners because Aaron just dropped a load of money hiring the guys that did the marketing for John Carter to market our podcast. So we've got to have what three new people listening now. You know, those guys cost like two hundred and fifty million dollars. I uh, I don't I don't think our budget uh, you know can handle them. Uh, well, they our, did before they marketed John Carter. <laughs> now, though, oh my God! So, Paul, I, yeah, I, I think I, you, Paul sent us an email this morning, <laughs> <laughs> and needing some help deciphering, you know, what it is his email meant. Yeah. So, so let me uh, let me tell you how this started. So, a couple of days ago, I received an email from Prize Logic claim, uh, Prize Logic support. Or something along those lines, and it said you may be a winner in the John Carter, um, like the John Carter t- Twitter trivia challenge. It said we need your mailing address and your name and your age and blah blah blah. And I was like, great. And so I sent them the stuff, and then I got another email back. Thank you for your participation in the John Carter Twitter trivia challenge. Please respond back with your Twitter handle so we can verify your entry in the promotion. So I sent them my Twitter handle. And their response was, please send uh, us your credit card, because this is so, totally sounding like a scam at this point. No, it says, thank you for providing this information for the John Carter Twitter Trivia Challenge. Please allow six to eight weeks for prizes to be shipped out to confirmed winners. Now, at no point did they confirm I was a winner. They confirmed I was a potential winner. And no, they no, didn't they... actually tell me what I won. 
They confirmed your address, your name, your age, and your Twitter handle. I, I would be careful that you don't come home someday and find somebody else living in your place. <laughs> they asked for your mother's maiden name. Uh... <laughs> well, it's just it's, it's a little odd because I do remember entering a John Cotter challenge on Twitter. You know, Ron Mars like retweeted. They posted some question like. Where does John Carter live, or some nonsense like that? And so, you know, I, I responded to the question, and you know, the, and now I have this email. But it's just very odd to me. This isn't the first time Paul's given out his information. Well, but, I'm, sure, you know, I'm sure there's a Nigerian prince somewhere that's very happy. Exactly, exactly. But here I it is. A, I got a question though. Yeah. If you're, if you're the John Carter people, don't you want to not give away that DVD? Don't you want to sell that some bitch as much as you want? <laughs> well, okay, and here it is. I'm sorry. It was a direct message on Twitter that started this. From John Carter, the official John Carter Twitter feed. Congratulations. You are a potential winner of the John Carter Trivia Challenge. So my question is, you know, like, what did I win? Well, <laughs> and why is it – why are you just a potential winner? Yeah. Oh, wait. I clicked the the terms and conditions, and the link says John Carter Blu-ray terms and conditions. So there's a very definitive possibility I may have won John Carter on Blu-ray. Well, it, it is it is it, certainly a distinct possibility. <laughs> yeah, there's, it, uh, I have potentially won John Carter. On yeah, Paul, it's, if you're a potential winner, that also means you're a potential loser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, well, and, you, and you should know in six to eight weeks. Well, and you know, uh, it's kind of like when, when you're a kid and you ask your mom, Hey, Mom, can we go to the movies today? And she says, maybe. That means no. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 you know when you say to your wife, "Hey, can we have the dirty sex tonight?" and she says, "We'll see." This also means no. Um, <laughs> possibly means no. Yeah, but, but the good sure. news is, is you've given away enough of your identifying information for them to <laughs> to steal to to hack into your checking account. So this is this is good news, Paul. So well, I don't think they need my Twitter handle to hack into my checking account, but. You'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Throw you out the scent, Paul. <laughs> you so, know the uh, sad thing that yeah, John Carter's on DVD now, and the and Blu-ray. Sale, and Blu-ray. They haven't released the Blu-ray numbers that I've seen yet. I've only seen the DVD numbers for the sales, and it already in one week made eleven million in sales. So, it's making almost as much in DVD that it made in theaters. Well, that's actually quite common. That uh, lots of movies that they make up their money on the DVD Blu-ray sales that they didn't make in the theaters. I mean, there, there are movies that have become successes on DVD and Blu-ray. I don't think that, this was going to bridge that gap, though. It's too big of a gap. Yeah, well, there's too much of a gap on this one. Yeah, but I well, don't think they'll make up that much of a loss. But you never know. I, I watched the the Blu-ray last night, and the special features on it are really good. And there's this one great special feature on it that's you know John Carter, a hundred years in the making, and it talks about you know the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs and his process for writing, and kind of talks about the journey of the script and all the many different times somebody's tried to make a movie. And there's this quote from Edgar Rice Burroughs in it that just killed me. You're gonna love this. Publicity is essential. To success. Mm. <laughs> I died. I rewound it. Listen to it again. Publicity is essential to success. You know, if the Disney guys had just paid attention to what Edgar Rice Burroughs said a hundred years ago, uh, they might have been a little better off. 
you know, and I have to give credit there to the uh, to the guys that are doing Amazing Spider-Man. I was walking through Walmart the other day, and I saw for three dollars they had a DVD that is it's just one scene from the movie, a couple of making of things, and a uh, reprint of the uh, first appearance of the lizard from the Spider-Man comics uh-huh. for like three bucks. I'm like, yeah, three bucks is nothing. So I tossed it down, bought this DVD. It's like the movie isn't even in theaters yet. And they're doing big promotional things all over the place. You're seeing displays. They're getting extra money on a making of DVD before the movie's even out. And the making of actually was very good. The one scene was the scene that everyone talks about from the, you know, from the trailers to the uh, Spider-Man and the carjacker where he's making fun of him as he webs him to the wall. So they picked their, you know, their best scene to show the entire scene of three bucks is, you know, such a low price point that I think a lot of people won't even think about. They're just throw it in, throw it in the cart while they're doing other shopping, and that to me, that's a good idea because I don't know how well the movie's going to do in theaters. So get your money where you can before it hits theaters. The John Carter Blu-ray is spectacular. Highly recommend it. Highly yeah, try recommend to, it. Hey, you can win it on Twitter, maybe, possibly, <laughs> potentially, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. So, Aaron. Sir, I hear that you attended a big gay wedding this week. Uh, well, you know, the, those crazy kids, Kyle and Jean-Paul, uh, got married in the pages of Astonishing X-Men number 51 this week. Uh, went over to my comic book shop where they were hosting a wedding reception for them. The store was all decorated with, you know, lace and white and silver balloons. And there was a wedding cake and, you know, uh, just, just you know, all very uh, wedding-ish there. And, you know, I told them, seems a little gay. <laughs> but uh yeah in the pages of astonishing x-men number 51 the two got married you know and we uh tim and i talked about astonishing x-men number 50 last week or last month and uh i had big concerns that you know that the the wedding was just going to be kind of a throwaway piece in issue 51 uh because kyle had been kidnapped that he he had turned down the wedding proposal and it just didn't look like they were going to get to spend much time on this and let me tell you how they spent two pages on him being kidnapped and the rest of it was wedding yeah see, that's one thing people have talked about how this no this isn't a publicity stunt this is the natural evolution of the characters I, I'm curious your take on that because I don't see how that's possible when he just rejected him last issue. So this isn't a long-term engagement. This is a reject him one issue, and then they get married in the next issue. This was very much a uh, coming out of the fact that both of them almost died in the two pages that I reference, um, that – there had there had actually been some personal growth on the part of Jean Paul, and it was observed by Kyle. But also, you know, commenting that yeah, this is fast, but you know, you gotta you gotta live life while you can. You know that the, that you know things are crazy in this world, and and you just never know what's going to happen. I actually, I it may have indeed been a marketing ploy, but I actually thought it was a pretty darn good book. So I, I it's not a book I will highly recommend because you know. Uh, I didn't really care for the uh, issue number 50, but 51 was really good and I dug it. So, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of appearance by alpha flight. There's some in jokes like uh, Sasquatch comes up to uh, North star and he says, is it North star? 
That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He goes up to Northstar and he's like, um, look, I'm looking at the seating arrangement and you've got some Avengers with X-Men. Do you want me to fix this? <laughs> 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 kind of tickled me. But, but yeah, it was a good book. It was a good book. So, I mean, you were serious? Your comic shop decorated and all that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did a whole thing. In fact, uh, uh, there was... At, I wasn't there in the evening. I was there around noon to pick up my books. But that night, they actually had a formal reception with champagne and all that kind of stuff. That's surprising uh, to hear a Texas shop would do it. I figured they'd just be lynching anyone that was buying the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, at this at this particular shop, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but one of the owners is gay. Yeah, uh, R- Richard Neal is out, and uh, and he's it, it. And from watching the variants, I love that guy. Aaron put him back in. <laughs> no, it is, it is a it is a, uh, a a a very alternative uh, uh, type of ownership there, okay. especially for Texas. I bet. Yeah, but he is in the uptown area of Dallas, so you know. What do you? Dallas know? is very. It's cool, the one, we all know one what that safe spot in all of Texas. <laughs> so you know, I. I <laughs> Eric's like, how how do I kill it? Let's talk about Made Fire. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, let's talk about something else that's kind of (laughs) queer. Oh, Jesus. Digital comics. Yep. Uh, Yeah, great transition there, Tim. (laughs) I I like, I'm going to take my headset off here. Well, you know, the the first time I had heard about Made Fire was on an interview with Dave Gibbons uh, over at the Word Balloon podcast. And uh, he was talking about how. He's working on a, a leap in digital comics technology and and the, the, the platform that they're using and, and, and how to present that. And uh, Paul shared a Madefire art, an article on Madefire, which is the Dave Gibbons uh, uh, app. Did you guys take a look at it at all? I did I, not. I didn't get a chance, but I want to. It seems like a really interesting – it seems like a you know a natural progression from what we've seen in books like uh, Avengers or yeah Avengers versus X Men Infinite and yeah. things like that. Well, it's it's very much along those lines where it's not I, I wouldn't call it a guided view technology you know because it's not just scanning and jumping around the page it's bringing panels up you know uh, and populating them with word balloons and so you're getting to see the art without the word balloons at first. And then it'll bring stuff in. There's even a little bit of – and Dave Gibbons doesn't care for this characterization. But there's a little bit of motion comic technology in there, it seems, where you can see a hand moving to something. Or you can see you know, a bullet moving across the screen or the guy going across a tight wire. Uh, it's, it's pretty pretty awesome. Um, I, I, I'm really curious about it, but my issue is still – I don't want to have multiple apps for doing the same thing, for reading comics. And that's why I've been annoyed by Marvel's digital push because uh, you know, you've got the Comixology app that covers everything, but then Marvel has to have their own app that's separate. And that's one of the things that's been bugging me about it is if it's going to be a separate app, it needs to do something different. The Marvel app doesn't do anything different. It's just the Comixology app only through Marvel. That's why I was curious. How is this one different? It's it's different in that well, number one, you're getting a whole uh, other set of books. So it's not Marvel, it's not DC. These are independent books. Um, some of them are made especially for this technology. So like uh, the the book that's a Dave Gibbons book is called Treatment, which is pretty damn awesome. Um, 
it is, you know, it follows that reality TV kind of look and it follows a, uh, a uh, vigilant, a masked vigilante, but he's the subject of the reality TV, and it's which villain are they going to take down today? And what's hysterical is you've got the bad guys, you know, sitting in their in their tower, going, "Hey, that's our tower," <laughs> you know, right as the right as the superhero breaks into their building. It's it's really very cool. Um, now, is it all British creators? For the comics? I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. You go first, Wayne. What's the price point for the comics on there? The Madefire app is absolutely free, and it comes with about six comics to demo, also free. So right now, you know, you're not paying for anything. Treatment was was a full length comic, um, and it was you know just terrific. It was uh, you know created by Dave Gibbons, and it's actually written and drawn by two other guys. So I guess Dave Gibbons had the big idea, and uh, these guys uh, executed it. But it there is. A lot of movement on the page, you know. You 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 right scroll, and it will zoom in. It will zoom out. It will bring new images in. It's it's a it's a really neat uh, uh, use of the technology. And they have one. I mean, they've got some dynamite teams on this. You know, yeah. guys like Liam Sharp, Mike Carey, all, all British guys, which is interesting. I don't know if all of them are British creators. Yeah. Um, but I did, I'm, I'm interested. I did get the feeling that there's a book in here called Captain Stone, and uh, um, it's called Captain Stone is Missing. It's with Liam Sharp, and this book did not feel like it it was uh, made for the the Made Fire technology. You know, it felt very much like you know some of it, like the the first couple of pages, felt. Like they were built for it, but then you get in, and the rest of it feels like a regular comic book that they came back in and applied the technology to. Um, so I'd be real curious to know the genesis of that. But the but the first the first two pages of Captain Stone feel very organic to the technology, and the rest of it not so much. You know what the bad thing is, though. The only bad thing I can say about it, it is iPad exclusive. Because uh, I, w- I went looking for it on my iPhone mm-hmm. App Store, and it is not available. Yeah. Well, it's big and pretty on the iPad. Yeah, yeah. I have to see if it's available on Kindle, but it doesn't seem to be. I'm not no, when I'm reading when I'm reading the about it specifically says it's an interactive iPad experience. So I mean, I like the concept of it, but it's still dead to me until it's on something other than the iPad. Dead to me. I mean, I can't get it, so it might as well be. I don't have an iPad. I have no interest in an iPad. So I mean, it's uh, if they release it for Android, then I'll. I'll give it a shot just based on these uh, what you guys have had to say about it. Well, it's really cool. I'm uh, I'm curious to see where that's going to go. Well, speaking of dead to me, well, apparently I <laughs> am dead to Andrew and Aaron at this point. I, you know, you have lost all your credibility with me, Paul. You guys need to learn. After Spaceman, don't you flip through the book in the store when Paul tells you to buy it? Because I do, and that's why I wasn't a victim here. So, Paul, a couple weeks ago, you, you came to us and you said, hey, you guys should read this Batman Leviathan. It's it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Pick it up. And we all know how that ended. Now you tell us to go pick up Mars Attack number one. What's wrong with you, Paul? Okay, so I, I, I'm going to put this out there. I actually kind of liked Mars Attacks number one. Fuck you, Paul Aponte. <laughs> My question stands. What is wrong with you, Paul? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I enjoyed it. It's written by John Lehman, who writes Chew. Uh-huh. The art is by uh, John McRae, who, who um, 
did art for he does art for a lot of Garth Ennis books, um, but his biggest one was Hitman uh, from DC Comics. So I like the artist, I like the writer, and I don't know, like it, I liked. It was just a quirky book. It reminds me a lot of Chew, honestly, because of the, um, the writing. It reminds you of Chew. Yeah. It, aliens come to Earth. Which happens in Chew. <laughs> don't think so. At least not up to where I'm in a Chew. Uh, Sorry, spoilers on. <laughs> spoiler, there you go. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, so aliens come to Earth. One's kidnapped, sold to a carnival, shot, people die, and then he escapes back to Mars. That reminds you of Chew. Yeah, the feel, the vibe reminds me of Chew. The vibe of the, the, hillbillies, the hillbillies being slaughtered by the aliens. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've got to reread my trades at Chew because I missed I think I missed How it. in the world is it that the marketing team for John Carter can't sell a good movie, but Paul keeps getting you guys to spend your money on crap? Hey, and, and not every book I recommend is crap. Just oh. So, oh. Uh, most of the number ones <laughs> I recommend. <laughs> I mean, Justice League Dark's a good book. You recommended that. I, yeah. I'll give you props for that. But Well, uh, that remains to be seen. It had a good first issue. We'll see how the second issue sure. paid on that one. Sure. That's fair. But – so now, are they going to go forward in the timeline? So this first issue of Mars Tech is really a prequel to the actual invasion of Earth by Martians. Correct. Is issue two picking up, you know, fifty years in the future when the actual invasion starts? I honestly don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I know about as much as you as, at this point on the book, but I don't know. I, I mean, I thought the first issue was was quirky. I thought it was fun. I liked the art, and I, I just I enjoyed the story. Well, let me and tell I, you. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I sorry. I don't. I mean, it. it I know that Mars Attacks, and I loved the cards as a kid. Um, I hated the movie Agag. when I first saw it. I haven't, I haven't seen it in forever. <laughs> uh, so I, it, this book actually kind of put me in the mood to give it another shot, even though I'm sure it still sucks. I um, love the movie personally. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll give it another shot, but I enjoyed the book. Uh, well, and now, but I, I know you guys did not, so tell me why you didn't like the book. Well, here, here's my first thing. When I read a book called Mars Attack, I pick it up expecting to see Mars attacking. And this is not what happened in this book. This book is about essentially it's like it's like deliverance more or less with aliens. Yeah, I, I, are you saying that you felt anally raped by this book? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, that's the subtext, but yeah. yeah. Squeal like a pig. <laughs> because you know, I, I I open up expecting you know see waves of Martians invading the Earth. Instead, I get this little story with these guys getting stranded in the deep south and being abused by the locals. Yeah, but that's why they attack. Don't you want to know why Mars attacks? I would rather see that in a flashback after I get it. You know, we've talked about this before about how the first issue of a series needs to grab you and suck you in, instead and of just suck. And this did not do that for me. <laughs> I, don't, I have well, no interest in reading too. But that's what happened. They showed the Martian attack, and then it flashed back to why it happened. So how many pages did they show the Martian attack, Paul? Or how many panels? How many panels did they show? I don't know. One? Was it a full-page spread? I, I, I can't remember pulling my iPad out. <laughs> it might have been a full-page spread. I think it was like two panels <laughs> on the first page of the attack. So <laughs> I would rather... I'd rather have you have that first page of like you know just violence on humanity by Martians, and then it ends with General what was his name? It was General Czar sitting there, thinking back like finally, finally the debt has been paid, and then issue two flashes back to this. 
See, I feel I should share that uh, about 15 years ago, I bought Mars Attack Savage Dragon. I paid money for that, yet I flipped through this book and decided, no, that's not getting my money. I'm just saying, comparatively, Mars Attack Savage Dragon seemed like a better choice of books than this. Uh, So, Aaron, why did you hate it so much? Four panels, Paul. Four panels. <laughs> I just didn't think that it was well – I hate to say this because I enjoy John Lehman. I don't think it was well written. Uh, I wasn't interested in anything going on in the book. Um, and I, I have to say I've been making the little ack-ack sounds uh, throughout the commentary here. <laughs> At no point does any any Martian in the book say ack-ack in the book. You know, and so it didn't feel. I mean, that was one of the things I found so amusing about the movie was was them, uh, you know, lasering down people in in uh, on Earth and ag ag, we come in peace ag ag. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think they missed a great opportunity with that because if you look a couple pages in where the saucer is going down and the four of them are sitting and there's a little word balloon coming off one of the aliens with all sorts of little weird alien letters in it. Right. If if they put like a little asterisk in that word balloon, and then down in the little box with the asterisk, put ack ack. Uh huh. That yeah. would have been that would have been funny. Yeah. No. I, and th- I, there was just at no point in the book was I amused. Yeah. No. A, oh, Aaron, yeah. In uh, in Mars Attack Savage Dragon, they do say ack ack. Yeah. Just say. It. <laughs> so that's now, I'll say okay. The book was quirky but not funny. I will yeah, give it exactly. that. Yeah. There's there's no no humor in it. Yeah. I, well, and I found Mars Attacks laugh out loud funny. So, I, I, the the movie, I mean, and the the comic, I just I didn't think it had any charm. I didn't I don't think that there was anything amusing about it. Um, I just I didn't like it. It was it was ugly to me. I thought it was an ugly book. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, and I, and you're dead to me, Paul. <laughs> so I guess we won't be talking about number two, but I'm sure I'll post a review of it on my Twitter feed. <laughs> uh, but you know what book that we did give a shot on now. Well, me and Tim. Hey, and, I read it too, Paul. Uh, and Wayne. And was, I raved about issue one. Yeah, we talked about Grim Leaper number one, um, which is basically like Final Destination meets Quantum Leap. This guy, he jumps into a body right before it's going to die. It dies, and then he jumps into the next body, like in the last day or two of their life. And he finds a woman who does the same thing. Uh, so Grim Leaper number two came out, kind of starting this, or continuing this weird love story thing going on so uh tim uh wayne did you read issue two or just issue one i read issue two as well so uh what did you and tim think of this one i still love this book it was okay uh so let me well let me let me preface this i like the story i i I like i like the story and the premise behind the story i'm not a big fan of this ridiculous over-the-top gore i'm not um, uh, it's not something that appeals to me. It's just, it, it's too much for me. It, it's it's almost to the point where I don't want to read it, but it's not quite there yet because uh, the story is dragging me back in. It's it, you know they, the art is done in very much an exaggerated cartoony style, and the gore is over the top crazy. You know, eyeballs flying all over the place, body parts flying all over the place, and it's not realistic in the slightest. It's just over the top crazy cartoon gore. Yeah, I read that in so many books I have no problem to. I've been desensitized to over the top gore. I I I mean I'm and I I guess it doesn't bug me because yeah, like Wayne, I, I've I don't know if I'm insensitized to it, but I've seen it in enough books that I, I understand that it's just part of the style. 
Um, is it necessary for this book? I don't know. I think this book could be taken one of two ways. Uh, but I think they're they're going more for the fun, silly vibe. But, I mean, I, I am enjoying the story. I think it's really well done. I think it's only a four-issue series, which is good. I don't think the concept lends itself to much more yeah. than that. I'm glad it's a miniseries because I think it's it'll be a better story because okay. of that. I got a big kick out of this issue because – he, uh, for the first time, he woke up in the body of a married man. Yes, and there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole family there. It's he's never cared about the people that uh, this person leaves behind until now, and now he's thinking about it. It's like, well, this person has a, has a family, has a wife that's going to uh, to miss it, because he actually takes the time to try to fix this guy's marriage. Yeah, and you know, well, and, and before that, he jumps into the body of a serial killer. Which I thought was pretty crazy. That took me off. That caught me off guard. Um, the way that that story panned out. So I mean, it's it's got some really great ideas. You know, where is it all going? I don't know. There's not necessarily a clear path other than this love story. There's not a de- definitive villain that I've seen yet. I um, I loved how they're trying to uh, to interact with each other between uh, lives. The whole, let's create alternate Facebook identities for each other. Oh, yeah. You know, this is, so, you know, he jumps into a different body. She jumps into a different body. So it's not like they can recognize each other instantly, um, you know, when they see each other because after they die. So, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out a way, well, how do we how do we keep in touch with each other <laughs> when we jump to the next body? And so they come up with the, this Facebook idea. Which I, I don't think they actually get a chance to do because they're in a car wreck before the end of the issue. But no, I mean I'm enjoying the book. I think it's a I think it's a great book. Um, the fact that it's a four issue mini means I'm I'm gonna read the rest of it. Yeah, but, I, yeah, I it's, it's it's not. I, I don't know. It, I'm not a big fan of the art style. And then when you do gore on top of that, it's it's a little much. Well, I like too how the uh, the two of the characters treat this whole death thing differently. At this point, he's ready to you know try to not die and try to uh, do something a little better with this person's life. And she's like, oh, okay, let's steal a car and party. And it's just a different take on uh, what they're going through. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different – I mean, they, you know, they, they even touted it as this, like, an unusual love story or something like that. You know, and so it, it, it's clearly all about this relationship. But I'm, I'm, I definitely want to see where it goes, especially with only four issues. I, I believe it's only four issues total. But I think it'll be a fun story overall. But, you know, go, Tim and I read some fucked up books this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yes, and, we and did. The, the first of which, which is the, this, this is the appetizer for the main course that's coming next, <laughs> was The Darkness Number 104. Yeah, this, this we only need hand sanitizer for. Yeah, this one, you, you just feel a little grubby. You know, like a you little said, bit. Hands, yeah, a little grubby. Especially you kind of saw this ending. one coming, though. Yeah, you did. And the ending is so – despite it being a fucked up book, it is such a good book. I loved this issue. Yeah, so uh, to back up, uh, was it last issue, Paul? Jack Yastacato, or maybe it was two issues ago. He broke off the darkness. He has doppelganger Jackie, who basically yeah. does all the – all the evil naughty work with the darkness and he's left to the wholesome friendly running of the uh, mob right correct yeah so uh in, in this book uh y- you know he's 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 telling himself he's got it together and then we see the issues that his wife has basically mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know it, 
his wife Jenny was create you know she died in the pre rebirth top cow universe when Jackie was able to recreate the universe and artifacts he brought her back to life and this book even more so than artifacts is focused on the cracks in that universe um, especially when it comes to Jenny uh, it, it's revealed that she doesn't remember anything from the day she died to like the first day that was presented in uh, artifacts number 13. Like she doesn't remember the birth of her child. She doesn't remember getting married to Jackie. There are pictures and all that, but she doesn't remember any of that period that technically didn't exist um, previously. So it's really interesting. Um, And you could see that, you know, Jackie had these selfish intentions or even good intentions, but it's kind of crumbling down around him because his daughter's fucked up. And uh, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know she's playing with little darkness babies who eat cat, who eat rats, I think. Um, and you know, of course, he's got the uh, a rival mob after his family. And uh, you know, then there's there's the ending, which I, I don't know if we should spoil here. <laughs> but no, uh, we probably shouldn't. No, but it, it is definitely you turn that last page and you're like, it, it makes sense, but it's kind of like a holy shit ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely excited for Darkness number one hundred five. This is probably my favorite issue of this Darkness run so far. I I, I like the part where they they actually split it off. So I I think the the issue maybe it was two issues ago was a little stronger, but this was a good issue. Yeah, I, I I highly recommend checking this out. We're only four issues into this run. David Hine, Jeremy Hahn. Um, really really well done book. It you know it's it's not a superhero book. It's very no. much a dark. It's almost. I think we even said this in the first issue. It's like a Sopranos, a supernatural Sopranos type thing, you know. And I think it's still keeping that vibe. You know, it's got the mob stuff, it's got the crime stuff, but it's got some dark supernatural stuff too. Now let's talk about a book that you need the full crying game shower scrub scene. Oh my Boy. god! <laughs> so Saga number four continues to be like any other comic book that you'll read anywhere ever, <laughs> ever. No. It's let's, it's different. Let's break this off, Paul. Let's let's talk about the main two characters first. Let's do that. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the visit to the sextillion. Dude, we don't want to talk we'll, we'll about get there. The, we'll the, get full, there. the full penetration. We'll get there. You want to come inside, don't you? <laughs> oh, hey, okay. since you're taking since you're heading back to the ship anyway, can you take my gear. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but you said, go with Tim, Tim's strategy. There's a couple stories. There's really two storylines going through this book. One has the two main characters still trying to escape the planet, still trying to take care of their baby. They've adopted a ghost nanny. It's it's pretty standard, nothing too crazy going on there. Pretty, you know, fugitives on the run trying to get away from the law. I really liked the scene where he was explaining this, this uh, fiancé thing to her. Yeah, I mean, it was very character driven. It was it was very believable. It, I, I, I'm, you know, it's a very more standard story with these two people what they're going and, through. And I, I will venture to say it's probably the one aspect of the book that I enjoy is that storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that because the, the first issue was almost entirely that storyline, and that's why it started off so strong for me. Anything outside of that, like the people with TV heads having sex in the first issue and and some of that stuff, I have not enjoyed oh i, I love the that TV stuff heads. as much the tv heads having sex is fantastic <laughs> what would you think about issue four aaron uh, you know i uh, actually just finished reading issue four and i loved it 
<laughs> I loved it. I mean, there's nothing creepier than the uh, the ladies at the sextillion, uh, the great big head on a on a set of legs. Um, With socks and heels. Yeah. Yeah, 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 a little creepy, but you know. <laughs> The scene where they won't let his giant cat come with him into <laughs> into the uh, essentially the whorehouse. Yeah, um, that was kind of funny. <laughs> he's hey, since you're going back to the ship anyway, would you take my gun belt with you? And the cat's just you know motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, as he runs away, the the will's like ah, you would have had fun anyway. And the and the big cat thing's just like lying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the. I like, like Andrew was saying, you know, it's a very much a character-driven book, and the dialogue is all very character-driven. You know, the the comments. I, I think, I think, particularly in science fiction stories, I think a lot of writers struggle with dialogue that's kind of organic to the characters and their story, and particularly bringing forth that sense of humor. I can't tell you how many science fiction books I read where, you know, yeah, the idea is great. Uh, you know, the, the, the technology that they're spinning is great and how that affects society, but it's just absent a sense of humor. And, uh, Brian K. Vaughn really brings that here. Like, you know, the, the, the comment that, uh, uh, Alana makes, uh, to the ghost and you know, just that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really not really prepared to take relationship advice from somebody who's absent a vagina, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, I, I, I love, the character dialogue between between these uh, these folks, I liked it. I you know and yeah, I, I, I noticed we're not talking <laughs> about the uh, the crazy sex. Okay, so scenes in Sextillion. Okay, so the Will is walking through the Sextillion, which is essentially a gigantic planet of whores. Which <laughs> really, this is the place you want to go, right? Agreed. So yeah. you know, he, ooh, he, ooh, you know what would be a better name for this place than Sextillion? The pleasure pier. <laughs> the pleasure pier. I like it. So, you know, he's coming down the stairs and, uh, you know, there are these women who look like angels. You know, they're all they've all got wings and they're all doing each other, you know, and in fact, one of them's got a strap on. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking if if, if this is Two the way do. if this was uh, the way angels really were, this is how you get butts back in the pews at church. That's all I'm thinking. But uh Moving along, I, I I enjoy these scenes. I mean, they, number one, I, I, I find them amusing. Um, you know, I don't know if anyone tuned into the Barney-looking creature with the great big giant purple dick. <laughs> no, no. So I just grabbed this thing, and I'm page this may be the most disturbing thing i've ever seen is that first page <laughs> the two uh the two faces on top of heads no, i mean two no, heads and uh, that's messed up for reading this i i i think this book is great you know you've got the uh the <laughs> the forearmed uh, naked women, the 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 <laughs> the stack of naked men, you know, in a, in a pyramid getting spanked, you know, wearing I, marching band helmets. Yes, I think that's pretty hysterical. But you know, I, I also enjoyed the scene where he's like, you know, yeah, you know, this all seems a little safe. You know, take me to something a little bit more interesting, and they 
you're you're really well, being just, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He's he's walking through this place and he's surrounded by all these scenes of intense debauchery and and hardcore type sex scenes all around him. He doesn't care, you know. He's just walking around bored. And then I do like how they kind of throw the end to you. I don't know if we want to spoil it or not. But yeah, no, I don't, don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it either. But you know, it reveals something that is just. You know, beyond all of these just outrageous, you know, debauched scenes, it brings you to something truly horrible. And I, I like the character's response to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, and, and again, it goes to the fact that, you know, this is a science fiction story. It's a science fiction fantasy story. And I just like how character centered it is. And so wow. we, in, in all of this, we find out something really important about the will. Um, and I mean, so it seems gratuitous. It seems extreme. But all of that, all of that nudity serves the point in the story. It, yeah. Yeah, it builds it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could have turned the gratuity down a little bit. And I think you could have still had. Oh, it, I but... don't think so. I think you've got to have the big Barney dick in there. <laughs> I think you could turn it down a little bit and still have the same impact. But you're right; it's the it's the juxtaposition between what he finds at the end and everything he's been walking past. Right. It, and his reaction to all the gratuitous, and then his reaction to what he sees at the end that really uh, that really makes his story part of this worth it. It even just. But again, if you're going to read this book, you got to be okay with just all sorts of crazy nudity and sex acts because yeah. uh, uh, otherwise uh, you will find this pretty weird and, and now wayne have you gotten to the barney dick yet oh yeah i i saw that okay good good <laughs> i i got to, that last while was because i got to those last few pages oh yeah I mean, and here's I, I should probably clarify you know i enjoyed the book i enjoyed the hell out of the oh, book yeah. but yeah it, it's it's a little fucked up <laughs> oh yeah yeah well a again, little a little and, i and you know you're I, a little fucked up after reading it Forget about what the book is. The book is way past a little. See, and I don't think it is. I, I don't. I don't think it. I, I think that you. What the book is showing is characters responding to fucked up situations. But I like the way the character is responding to it. No, that's a good point. I will. I will agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, the characters' responses. That scene could are, have gone a different yeah. way. Yeah. The characters' responses yeah. are all good from just flipping through that. Yeah. It's just the stuff that he's walking through is awesome. I think it, I think it points no. to the fact. I think it points to the fact that that whole universe is 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 really messed up. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what they they try to convey. Yeah, I worry about the guy that's writing this to come <laughs> up with these ideas. Uh, for in all honesty, it was probably the right the artist that came up with it. And, okay, and the did I worry about the artist that came up with that to come up with those ideas? I don't know. Well, she might be a little messed up. I, I think Fiona Staples is just going to be fine. I mean, she had that great singing <laughs> career. Now she's drawing comics. She's going to be fine. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I mean, even bef- our next book, Before Watchmen Comedian, is a little messed up. Yes, but not nearly as much. Not nearly as messed up as Saga. It, but I do want to say, I also, just to be on record, I also enjoyed Saga number four. I some of it was pretty out there, but I, I did enjoy the story, and, yeah. and I, I am going to continue to read Saga Number Five because, again, this is something you'll never see anywhere else in comics, probably. Yeah, no, the uh, Saga is just fantastic. I'm thankful for that, and I, I want more of uh, the Pleasure Planet, and so, more of the TV people having sex. No, and more of the great big he- heads on the uh, on the spindly legs. Oh God, definitely why? not. <laughs> <laughs> 
definitely not that. So Wayne, I got a question for you. Did you did you read Watchmen comedian number one? No, I'm not touching okay. any other right. Watchmen. Now, just just to let you know, you might want to stay out of Andrew's way. <laughs> just, 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 we're gonna hang out in this corner over here, and we're gonna let them go. Yeah, so, I said my piece last week. It's all, all Andrew right. now. Uh, so yeah, we had the comedian uh, book come out this week. Uh, took a part from his life, showing him hanging out with the Kennedys. I loved it, Aaron. You know, I, it is such a different feel from the prior to before Watchmen books. Does it you know, really so though? I mean, it is a very different character than the other. I think you can characterize the uh, the Darwin Cook book. You know, the the Darwin Cook book, um, Minutemen, with uh, a sense of wonder. And I called Silk Spectre uh, number one last week charming. Um, this book is dark um, and justifiably so. That's kind of who the comedian is. And I think what we're getting to see in this book is the comedian before he became so disillusioned. We see he, that he actually is uh, a fan of, a supporter of, somebody who drank the Kool-Aid of uh, the JFK administration. Yeah. yeah, he was friends, and which is completely different than at least the Watchmen movie portrayed. I know the original Watchmen hinted that the comedian may have killed JFK. Right. They actually showed it in the Watchmen movie, and this contradicts that. This shows that, no, sure. no, he, he, he didn't do it. Right. Right. But maybe he's going to be set up for it. But, yeah. you know, the... Uh, I really enjoyed this book, and it's so rare to see a dark uh, uh, depiction of Jackie Onassis Kennedy. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. She, she's really, in this comic book, she's really just this manipulative mastermind, yeah. which uh, I enjoyed. Yeah, uh, now the, we should, the book is written by Brian Azzarello, mm-hmm. art by J.G. Jones, the artist from Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's done anything since then as far as on a you know a regular basis um so it, it's written you know brian azarello known for his dark stuff mm-hmm. you know jg jones i thought the art on this book was was really damn good too oh yeah a very very different feel than both of the first two books which were you know very light art you know you, you know darwin cook's art you know amanda connor's art they both fit those stories which were had dark pieces but were generally upbeat and this is not that at all. Um, no, no, it's it's definitely more of a kind of a darker type type look to it. But I love I love seeing him with this this relationship. I love seeing what he's willing to do for the Kennedys because he loves them. Yeah. Uh, and I love how it ends. And I don't think it spoils anything to say the book ends with him finding out that Kennedy's been assassinated. And and the scene they set up for how he finds out was just just really really got me. Yeah, it's it's just a, you know three books in, and I while I feel this is probably my least favorite of the three. Yeah, it's still knocking it out of the park. Oh God, these three titles are fantastic. The the uh, like I said, there, there was a big shift in tone in this book. But again, that's I mean, it's oh yeah, the, the comedian or Norshock, I would expect their books to be darker because they're darker yeah. characters. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think Rorschach is also written by um, Brian Azzarello. I thought Rorschach it, was uh, was it not JMS? I think JMS is Night Owl. I think he's no, uh, he's doing two or three. JMS is doing a couple of them. Okay, I could be wrong. 
but, but yeah, so I mean, these are the two two dark characters out of the group. So that, that makes sense. I mean, Silk Spectre, the Minutemen. Yeah. Although I could see the Minutemen being darker, depending on which periods of time they're looking out of the group. But but I'm looking forward to seeing where they take it from here. I I, I wonder is the community going to try to figure out who exactly killed Kennedy? Yeah. I, I'm I'm intrigued to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I, I particularly enjoyed the scene between he and Moloch, and how. Uh, yeah, he's about to go up there to just to you know beat Moloch's ass, and then he realizes what's happened, and both of them are grieving, you know, yeah, about he, the assassination. He realizes he's been set up. Yeah, you know, he's not supposed to be here. You know, he shouldn't be here, but they wanted him out of the way where yeah. he couldn't interfere. And uh, it, you know, it hints to the FBI being involved in, in Kennedy's assassination at some level, and uh, it's 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 exciting. I'm I'm yeah. looking to see where it goes. I kind of like stories that play with. Uh, with history. established history, yeah. yeah. I mean, like this weekend, a great book, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. The uh, movie comes out this weekend. I I love that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the book too. I don't know about the movie, but I love. I the don't. Book. Right. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I, I don't know if the movie's going to be bad or good. But the book was was fantastic. I've got the new one by the same author called Unholy Night here, which kind of goes back to the birth of Christ and kind of reimagines it somewhat. And uh, uh, I, I love these types of stories. I'm looking forward to issue two. Do you guys plan on seeing the movie? Because it's on my list of movies I really want to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see it this weekend. When I'll get around to it. I don't know if I'm in a rush, but I will get around to it. Now, if you like alternative history, uh, have you read any of the Harry Turtledove books? No. Oh, I have. I I find I like his short stories a lot better than his uh, full series, but I have enjoyed some of the standalone novels. Uh, Guns of the South is is a fantastic book. I don't know if you've read that or not, but it involves uh, time travel back to the Civil War South where uh, uh, the the Confederates are armed with submachine guns. Nice. <laughs> I may have to look into those once I get through my uh, – once I get through Unholy Night, I'm going to have to go look in, looking for those. Harry Turtledove t- tends to, uh, in his latter books, uh, tends to be a little wordy and draws the story out a little longer than need be. So his series just kind of run on and on and on. But he Which wrote... Th- I would say that's exactly why I like his short stories yeah. better, because he doesn't do that in them. But he wrote a... And I think it's out of print. Um, uh, but there he wrote a, a series called uh, The Lost Legion, which is a Roman legion that winds up in a sword and sorcery setting. You know, I think I think my buddy Uriah has mentioned that before. It is a fantastic series. I love it. And he doesn't write in that universe anymore, or at least hasn't in probably 15 years. Huh. But uh, it is fantastic. And if you want them, Andrew, I'll send them to you. We'll, oh, talk, that. we'll talk about that because that they, does sound good. They are awesome sauce. Well, let me and let me before we move on past Minutemen, though. I, I mean, before Watchmen, let me uh, say one thing I don't like about this series of books. All oh. three of them, really. I don't think we've mentioned it. And... It's hard to fault the creators too much because it's very much in line with the original Watchmen novel. But they, at the end of each comic of all the series, they have this ongoing tale called uh, The Curse of the Crimson Corsair. Mm-hmm. And it's very much you know, similar to the whole black ship story they had within the Watchmen series. But I'm not buying every single issue of every single before Watchmen series. So to me, it's it's there's no point in reading it. I mean, in, in this one, there's two pages of it, of story. But having not read the pages in Silk Spectre, you know, and I'm not going to be reading Dr. Manhattan, I'm probably not going to read Night Owl. It's, I, I don't care for it. I'm sorry. I, what, I what, not, what, go ahead. I, I have not 
been reading them either because I know I'm not going to read every issue of every before Watchmen title. Um, and I got to be honest, I, I know they're going to put that in trade and it'll probably be easier to read in trade anyway than at two two page intervals. Yeah. So that's what I'm holding out for on that. I've rather enjoyed the uh, the pirate story backups. In, in, but you've also are the only one amongst us who's read all three issues, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Did you enjoy the pirate story backup? Well, I don't even know if I'm going to call them backup in the original Watchmen. Yes, I did, but I read it as trade. So kind of like what Paul's saying in a trade, it, it it worked really well for me. See, that was the one thing I didn't care for in the original Watchmen. I got where they were going with it, and I read it first time through. But every time I reread this, the trade, I never read the the pirate stuff again. I always skip over it. I only needed to read it once, and then I was done with the pirate stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I can see that. Um, but it, that, if there was one thing I could change, it would be that I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the pirate backup, even though it's only two pages. But besides that, though, Love and Before Watchmen, um, three ish, three series, three issues, all of them have been have been great so yeah, far. Yeah, I, I I'm a I'm a big fan. I I think they have done a more, a, a fantastic job. I think the big question is. You know, we've said before that you know first issues are, are generally pretty easy to do. Um, it's going to be how they deliver the rest of the series. So I'm real curious to see how the number twos go. As much as I've been avoiding this, I I actually am tempted by Rorschach, but I'm also leery of it because when they got into Rorschach's backstory in the original Watchmen, it was disturbing. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, you you know how I feel about animal violence. I was very disturbed reading his backstory, and it was. Uh, I don't know that I want to revisit that in another series. I I mean I'm telling you, Wayne. If there's just one, if you just want to dip your toe in, ch- check out Minutemen because I think that's going to be. If you're only going to read one series, I think that's the one to go for. Yeah, and I think it's it's the right vibe for the type of book Wayne likes. Um. So yeah, I, I, I honestly I recommend picking up all of them at this point. I, I'm just I'm loving what they're doing. You know, I was originally not even going to bother with Silk Spectre. Oh, it was so good. I, you know, I wasn't going to bother with the comedian because I didn't care for his character in the original. Oh, it was so good. But you know what? I, and one book that I definitely wasn't going to buy was Doctor Manhattan. But because all of these books have been so good, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick up the first issue of every one of them at least. Oh, it's gonna be so good. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? What surprised me this week with its love, Paul? Did we just lose you? Can Paul, you hear me? Something that now we, we can hear you now. To yell at him for. Yeah. Okay. So, so Paul, <laughs> uh, go back to your transition. I was like, it, but you know what surprised me this week with the level of quality it had? What's that, Paul? Avengers versus X Men number six. Now wait a minute. We were all at the end of Avengers versus X-Men number five saying this is awful. We don't know if we're going to stay on. Maybe this is a good jumping off point. What are you trying to say here, Paul? Apparently, the artist in a comic book makes a big difference. (laughs) Yeah, Olivier Copiel blew the doors off of this issue. I I, mean, uh, holy shit, this book was good. And hey – I definitely agree there. The art is wonderful. And hey, you know, if you get somebody on there that that hasn't won Worst Writer of the Year award last two years running here at Funny Books, you can get put somebody on there who's awesome, like Mister John Hickman. Uh, you know, maybe we'll write the uh, a story that's worth reading as well. Yeah, because uh, John, this book was very Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, th- very much in his style. This book sung. 
I mean, there was so much great and awesome on the page. This book was fantastic. Wow. I, I don't feel like that at all. I didn't hate it like I've hated the last few issues, but I didn't. It, I, didn't, I can't go as far as to say I liked it either. There's well, too much I dislike about this Wayne, this story. It's, it, it's important to clarify that what you're feeling is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm really bothered by the type of powers that the Phoenixes are showing here. Uh, I've I just the story is not interesting to me at all. This is the best issue we've seen since issue number one, but. It's still I don't I wouldn't call it good. It wasn't horrible though. I didn't hate it like I have the others. That's something. I give it that. I give it great art. The art is wonderful in it, but I still I don't like the story. So, you know, I jumped off. I did not pick up AV, AVX number six. And, and I, I hear one person saying maybe I should go. I t- hear two people saying I should go back and read it. Convince me. The Beast Wolverine conversation is wonderful. That is that is Jonathan Hickman beginning to end what he does best. Their interactions and uh, just seeing how they're handling the uh, you know the Phoenixes changing the world. That I will say was done incredibly well, and that just screams Hickman. Mm. Yeah, it, you know they they have these powers now, so they are changing the world for the better. I mean, and they are legitimately changing the world for the better. Getting rid of hunger, doing things like that. Um, and, you know, it's not a, a brand new story. You know, they've decided that they, you know, no more violence. You commit violence, we can erase you from existence. Things like that. Um, you know, so, I will say, the characterization issues that I had previously are still there. You know, the X-Men are very much the villains. Absolutely, the villains. Yeah, um, but I think I would say more of the Avengers are characterized better, though. The yeah. uh, Black Panther was Black Panther in this one. Beast was Beast. Wolverine seemed a lot more Wolverine than he has in the entire True. series. But I think, to a certain extent, my issues with the characterization of the char- of the X Men, maybe, maybe they're not as founded as I thought because the characters who. The Phoenix Five, as they're called, are you know Cyclops, Emma Frost, Magic, Colossus, and who's the other one? Isn't there another one? Karma. I don't really know the character, Karma. but that's yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know really Karma and Magic, but this kind of does fit in the characterizations of Cyclops, Emma Frost, and Colossus. Oh no, Namor. Namor's the other one. Um, so I, I could see I could see those characters doing that. I just you know. And there are X-Men who are not on their side. Wolverine is still very much on the good side, the Avengers side. Um, but I just – I think the story is really well told in this issue. You know, it doesn't – you know, like I think issues three through five all took place in the span of like a couple of hours or one day. Right. And, and so now jump- it's been like a week. Yeah. It, this jumps around in a couple of different time frames. Yeah. Um, I think like a month passes almost in this issue because it says, you know, 10 days later, six days later, two days later. Um, So a lot of time passes and, you know, the X-Men, the Phoenix Five are making all these changes to the planet. And the Avengers are kind of have turned into this black ops team because they're just trying to remove hope from Utopia, which is not, you know, which is this like citadel now controlled by the Phoenix Five. 
Uh, why uh, do uh, why do the Avengers care about hope if the Phoenix is in the other five? Because they they believe because the Phoenix Force targeted her initially, they believe that there's something there to understand about the Phoenix Force. So they're hoping they can study her and figure out what that connection is, and then use it against the Phoenix Force. Okay. Yeah. I'll also say this is the first of the series where I actually had a moment where I'm reading it and I feel like cheering. And that's when Wanda shows up. Yeah. So, you know, the Scarlet Witch, they've been playing up to her, you know, how she's going to fit into this. And so she, she, you know, she finally comes into the story and it's a very interesting scene because she actually has power against them. You know, no one can, no one can get a finger on these characters these these Phoenix Five and Cyclops tries to touch her and it burns him, which wow. I think is interesting. Yeah, I was cheering those last couple pages when she shows up, and uh, you know, basically shows up and has had enough of the fighting, and just and leaves with the Avengers and with Hope. That those pages, I as I've never cheered for Wanda before. She's always been kind of an interesting character for me. But the way that she was written in this book, I don't think she's ever been written better than she was right here. I, I think my, my favorite line in the book is the very last line of the book. And it's after the Avengers have escaped with hope. And uh, Scott is kind of w- walking through what's happened and what they need to do. And his last statement calls back to something Wanda said a long time ago. He says, no more Avengers. And you know, of course, that tie that that you know harkens back to the to the phrase "no more mutants" when you know Wanda reset the Marvel universe. So yeah, I, I, I'm I I I think this book got the series back on track. There were so many good quotes in those last couple pages too. I love Hope's quote: "I'm not leaving with them. I'm leaving with her." Yeah, yeah. So I, I have a question for for both of you guys sure. actually. Um, Wayne, I'm assuming you read it. In print, Aaron, you read it digitally. Or uh, I read it both. Okay, is it just me, or did Cyclops kill some of those Avengers in that in that battle? Because Hawkeye and Spider Woman, and there were some characters that were there that he like zapped, and they're not there when they escape. I think that you're not seeing the full on escape. I don't think he killed them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious because I mean, but if you look at the you know the the images where he zaps them. Right. It, it looks like he like evaporates some of those people. I would agree. I would agree, but I think that's just artistic license. I did not have the sense that they were actually, you know, murdered. Yeah, you yeah. know, I didn't have first either because you know he's asked people all the time and they don't die, but then they're not there when they escape. Right. Uh, no, I just right. think that you just didn't. I think you've got some people there in the shadows behind them. Uh, okay. But okay. I, okay. But I could be wrong. Aaron, I need my AR reader report. You know, I haven't AR'd this one. So I, I, I couldn't tell you. But you did infinite it. I didn't. I infinite the shit out of this one. <laughs> so <laughs> what was the storyline in this new infinite book? It was Cyclops uh, needing some time to think. And so he flies up to the uh, blue area of the moon and, and, and reanimates Jean Grey uh, out, of, out of moon dust. And oh, well, that's, that's normal. That's healthy. <laughs> that's yeah. That that's a sign of a very well balanced, healthy psyche. Yeah. yeah. No, it I, was, I'm starting to wonder if maybe Cyclops might not survive the storyline. He uh, it, it was an awfully good, you know, uh, uh, infinite comic. I just I love the way Marvel is integrating the story with the technology. Uh, Paul, what'd you think? 
I loved it. I thought it was a really good short story. Um, very much, you know, shows that Cyclops is having doubts. He's wondering, you know, what's happening to him. Yeah. And so I think that it, it was very important this story to the overall Avengers versus X Men, you know, tale. Uh, I, I, and I love that Mark Wade is doing these different. Way you know the digital comic, you know we talked about Made Fire, which was almost like a motion comic, but you know I love the way they're doing the infinite stories. You know we talked about the first one. This this new one very much has similar concepts where some of almost feels like animation. Right. Um, now, are any of you guys reading Insufferable by Mark Wade? I am not. It's uh, from Thrillbent Studios. It's it's all digital. You can get them for free. Uh, check out markwade.com and he you know he has an ongoing story there it called insufferable that's very much done in the same style um all digital all free um about a, a superhero and his su- his son who is a little bastard basically <laughs> and, and that's why it's called insufferable um, well i will be but- reading it now because i'll pretty much if they put mark wade on it i'll read anything if mark wade would have been written on the title like even if you took a pen and just hand wrote mark wade on the title of uh mars attacks i i would have bought it or before watchman <laughs> or before watchman uh good times um anyway i i do recommend checking out insufferable <laughs> if you like what they're doing with infinite you will definitely like insufferable v- very similar styles and uh, you know mark wade good stuff well, uh, yeah, I, I loved Infinite. He has got a strong handle on how this digital comic stuff ought to work. Agreed. And, and I just, I, I'm, you know, I, I was disappointed that we hadn't had another issue of Marvel Infinite uh, since issue one. So it was nice to see it here. And I'm guessing they're going to do one of these with each each branch of the of the arcs. Yeah, so it seems like that. No, Mike, uh, but I'm I'm wondering. If the reason they take so long, or if the reason that we only get them every couple of issues, is it you know is it a decision like that you know that we should do it at the start of each arc, or is it more along the lines of how long they take to produce? I don't know. Because I mean, if they take this long to produce, it's not going to be a viable model in the future. Yeah, no, I I agree. If it's if it is a a longer production you know uh, period on it, it you're not going to see many of these. But you know. I, I, we have been very happy with what DC has done with their straight to digital. Um, I, I wish that Marvel would, uh, you know, have one of these come out, you know, uh, every other week or so. I mean, I, that's what that would be my my preference. Yeah, agreed. I mean, they should, you know, they could put out a a title much like DC, like a Tales of Spider Man or something, right? Something along those lines. But because we all need another Spider Man comic. Well, you know, there's <laughs> only two out there, Aaron. Well, but one of them comes out twice a month. <laughs> this is true. And one of them, you know, pulled us in and, by and, being an ends of the earth epilogue. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit bitter about this. Yeah, I am too. It, it's I, yeah. the first issue of Avenging Spider-Man I've ever bought, and I am kind of bitter about that too. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll be buying any more either. I, this was not what I would characterize as an epilogue. Correct. Yeah. That oh. is my main beef. I disagree i thought it was a wonderful epilogue and again was, you're wrong wayne um <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a it was more of a a flashback to a previous silver stable story that's right and it really didn't advance what happened to her at all yeah it, it, it did not you know an epilogue generally rolls out hey here's here's the rest of the story here's right? the wrap-up yeah and this this did none of that in fact i i'm guessing 
we're we're going to get the rest of that in the pages of an amazing Spider-Man. Uh, you know, because we, you know, Mary Jane, we're still waiting on her party. You know, and I still I disagree that it didn't do any wrap up because we we saw Doc Ock, you know, whisked off to jail. We saw him trying to find Silver Sable. That it didn't just end there on the ship when they came up. That he became obsessed with going underwater and finding her. We saw why he felt so strongly about Silver Sable and what in the, their past showed him who she really was. Yeah, it was there was a lot of flashback to this, but the flashback was establishing why he had such a close relationship with Silver Sable that we never really knew why that was. Okay, well, and, and here's the thing, and here's what I'll say. I agree with Wayne to a certain extent because the six pages of current storyline I felt were good. I enjoyed the flashback. I will say I enjoyed the flashback. But as far as furthering the story and you know, I don't I don't feel it was necessary. Yeah, and and let me let me characterize. I enjoyed the silver sable silver sable story. I don't appreciate it being branded as an epilogue, and it's not really an epilogue. If it's gonna if you're gonna sell me a book that says epilogue to to this you know ends of the earth storyline, then you know the preponderance of the book should actually be an epilogue as opposed to a couple of pages of epilogue and then an inserted silver sable story. Now again, I enjoyed the silver sable story, and if you had called this remembering silver sable, you would have had an an, an honest marketing campaign on this book. Well, but, and, but that's not what we got. It you know. When you were like, oh, this is a whole book of epilogue. Okay, there's 20-some pages. Obviously, you're not going to shoehorn that into the next AMS. But when you have four pages of, of epilogue in this comic book, I don't see why you can't take those four pages, stick them at the front of the next AMS, and, yeah. and keep going. Or ASM. Well, I, I'm very Sorry. annoyed that it wasn't a It's not The Amazing Man Spider, Andrew. <laughs> that, that would be a good book, though, right? I'm sure that one's coming. <laughs> okay. I'm very annoyed that it was an Avenging because it made me buy an issue of Avenging, and I haven't bought yeah. any of them now correct so yeah, i completely agree there i i have all of those same complaints but yeah i thought it worked wonderfully as an epilogue not only were the uh, the epilogue portions of it you know very well done but it showed us why it mattered i mean yes that was a flashback not what's going on now but it was tied to now it was explaining now by giving an example from the past yeah but this i mean was one of my favorite books of the week i thought it was incredibly well done and i thought it added more to the ends of the earth storyline than I would have ever imagined an epilogue doing it. The story is the whole story is better for me because of this issue as an epilogue. But I've been reading, you know, silver sable Spider-Man books since the eighties going back to spectacular Spider-Man. And I mean, I'm aware that they have a close relationship. I don't need 17 pages to remind me they have a close relationship. I'm not, I'm not a moron. I can remember that they like each other. I can remember that during the actual ends of their storyline. Exactly. They were getting it on and getting closer, and she actually kind of came on to him. He was like, ah, I got another girl. I don't need I don't need 17 pages to remind me of that. Yeah. I, I, I get it. I get it. I think in this point, I, I did. I wanted this in here because this, like I said, it – it did work as a memorial, even though I don't believe for a second yeah, she's, she's dead. Not, yeah, she's not. She's dead. not dead. We all know she's not dead. But it worked as a memorial. It worked as an epilogue. I I was angry that I had to pick the book up because it was an avenging Spider-Man. I am incredibly happy I picked it up though because the whole story of Ends of the Earth, like I said, is better for, to me having read this. 
I would wish I had not picked this up. Yes, I I, I wish I could scrub it from my soul. In fact, as soon as we're <laughs> talking about it, I'm deleting it off my iPad. It is a wow. shame. This was a very good book. It could have been my book of the week if it wasn't for one book that was uh, just incredibly better. And is What's that Saga? Daredevil? Is it Saga number four? <laughs> no, that is Daredevil. Daredevil number 14 <laughs> is by far my book of the week. So tell us about it, Wayne. So last time we saw him get kidnapped and dropped into a deprivation container in uh, Latveria. So they, you know, they built this all up. We're thinking it's going to be Dr. Doom. And we see throughout this issue that it, it wasn't Doom. It was someone else there that was uh, trying to get back at him. It was Dr. Doom's accountant. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I was nervous about the whole Dr. Doom thing. It's like, you know, Mark Wade's doing a wonderful job. I'm really loving his take on Daredevil. I don't want to see Daredevil take on Doctor Doom. That's out of his league right now. Well, and I love when Daredevil realizes where he is. You know, the man without fear starts freaking out. Yes. You know, and I, I love that scene. Of, oh, no. The uh, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil the last page of this book, but the last page of the book was it was my jaw dropping moment of the entire you know week. Yeah, the, the 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 punishment it wasn't saga. <laughs> <laughs> the the punishment that uh, uh, Latveria extracts, you know, the payment that they extract from Daredevil is pretty damn harsh. Yes, and it's kind of they give you all the clues going in before he starts to reveal it. There are little little things here and there. As he's uh, trying to escape from them, they kind of give you the idea of here's what that penalty was. And I had picked up on him, and I thought they were very good touches. While Daredevil is struggling in Latveria, things are kind of coming apart for him back at home. Yeah, I still am very curious what Foggy found in his desk drawer. We haven't seen what it is, but whatever it was he found in there has completely killed his opinion of Matt Murdock. Well, and you're given the opinion, you know, there's a, it, it flashes to a scene where, so you didn't find anything of your dad when you were down there with the mall man, you know, because if you'll recall, the mall man had desecrated graves and, and stolen yeah. bodies. And one of which was, you know, uh, uh, Daredevil's dad. And so, you know, it's right after you get an image of the drawer that Foggy had opened up in the previous issue. And so you're left to wonder, maybe he did find a piece of dad. <laughs> Which piece? What's in the what's in the box? <laughs> yeah, I love uh, Foggy's conversation with Kristen as well. Or Kirsten. Yeah. And just the uh, – there's still that whole – you know, well, no, he's not Daredevil, but everyone knows he's Daredevil. Kind of that back talk going on. But yeah, yeah I, I am very happy with this run. I really wish I could find the – I'm, I'm going to have to look online for it. The trade for the uh, the first issues because mm-hmm. I only jumped on when they did the crossover with Spider-Man. So I missed the beginning of Mark Wade's run, issue one through whatever issue that crossover started on. Did you miss the Mole Man story where the with his father's body? Was that before or after the Spider-Man? That was after. That was the first storyline that I read after the crossover. So, Paul, what would you think? Oh, I loved it. I mean, it, it, it's hard to 
it's hard to find new things to say about the book, considering <laughs> that you know we love every issue, and every critic loves it, and everybody loves Daredevil. Everyone who reads Daredevil loves it, um, and deservedly so. It's a dynamite book. You know, you really need to check it out. It is basically what it boils down to. I do love it. I, I love the twist that they put in this. Obviously, it's not something that's going to stick. But the, you know, uh, I, the last page actually surprised me. I had that moment when I was uh, reading the page beforehand where I uh, – it's you know, it's the uh, – it's kind of the jerk moment in your head. Wouldn't it be funny if this happened? And then I turned the page and, oh, wow, okay, they did go there. It's a good book. It's a good yeah, book. I highly I, recommend checking it out. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to – you know, it, it is amazing the run of talent that they have had on Daredevil. You know, you had you know ben, Bendis' epic run – uh, and prior to him, you know, you had you know Kevin Smith successfully relaunching the character, um, and then after uh, uh, Bendis, you had Brubaker on, right. and you know Mark Wade has has you know the, the character went really dark for a while, and uh, Mark Wade has pulled that back without sacrificing that original continuity. I'm I'm totally digging Daredevil, and I, yeah. you know I think Mark Wade is going to be right there with with those epic writers, uh, you know, doing just amazing things with this character. I hope he stays on for for a good long while because this book is, and I don't you know given how well the book's doing, I don't think Marvel's going to let him go anytime soon. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. If he he leaves, it'll be because he wants to. But exactly, I hope that's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. So, Aaron, I have a question for you about next week's books. Sir, yes, sir. Batman: The Dark Knight number Uh ten comes out next week, written by friend of the podcast Greg Hurwitz. Uh huh. Yes. Are you going to give it a shot? (sighs) I hadn't planned on it. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you that your credibility is is uh, poor with me, Paul. This is Mars true. attacks, Leviathan. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. You notice how I... he didn't mention Batman Inc. too, right? Oh yeah, it does come out. Well, because I know the answer to that question. <laughs> I'm going to give Batman: The Dark Knight uh, a shot. Uh huh. Yeah. Justice League Dark number ten comes out next week. Uh huh. Woo! Fatal number six. And and, and Atomic Robo. Oh, yeah. The next Atomic Robo, Flying She-Devils of the Pacific. Yeah, Comixology had a half-off Atomic Robo sale last week. Oh, so good. Oh, I know. Trades for four bucks. Mm. And, you know, if you would like to win a uh, digital copy of Atomic Robo Volume 1... All you have to do is go write an iTunes review and send me a screenshot at ideologyofmadness at gmail.com. And you got to do that before the end of the week, before July 1st. And you can find us on iTunes at keyword ideology of madness. Don't look for funny books with Aaron and Pauly. In your search, type ideology of madness. Good point. And, uh, you know, a little thing like uh, Knights of Rainsboro dropped this week. What? What? Yeah, pretty wild. We're still doing that? Yeah, we're still doing that thing. We are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had our uh, feedback show for season one uh posted on friday so uh, if you haven't if you haven't gone and downloaded that be sure and go and do it uh we we answer your questions and uh quiz each other and and discuss about the process and all that kind of fun stuff so uh that's out and then um, I, I was listening to that feedback episode uh uh-huh. yesterday and yes it's it's pretty damn interesting. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I know I was involved in it, uh-huh. but my, my connection was crappy. Yes, it was. So, you know, I missed some of the conversations. <laughs> I, you know, I got about every third word in. So I'm listening to it. I'm like, you know, this is a pretty damn good episode. We talk a lot, very frankly, about the issues that we had uh-huh. recording season one. And I think that I think that makes for some interesting listening. Yeah. Yeah. Scotty Bonner seems to have enjoyed it because he's already listened to it and tweeted at us about it. And yeah. Geekus and, uh, you know, though, I, I you know, Jake Geekus and Scott Bonner are beefing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so have we started? Have we started something? We've started a feud, I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we are now on a biweekly release schedule for uh, for Knights of Rainsboro. So, so. <laughs> Two weeks from uh, from uh, when we dropped it, which I guess was June the twenty second. Um, two weeks from that, you'll have the first of our uh, Rainsboro actual plays, starting off with Tim's very own Escape from Dogger Island. Two weeks from that, you'll get uh, Thistledown John's uh, Ghosts of Rainsboro. Then two weeks after that, you'll get. Uh, Squires of Rainsboro, followed by much, much more awesome Rainsboro content. As long as the justice system doesn't get in the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah, I was on jury duty this week, and so we didn't get to record because I had to work late the night in advance of uh, jury duty. I got selected for a trial. I'm sorry. And, and, uh, you know, served on a jury. And uh, uh, when we went to the jury room, I I was the uh, foreman of the jury. And uh, how did you get elected foreman? Because nobody else wanted to do it. That's a good point. <laughs> That's my move. I mean, who <laughs> thinks we got this? That yeah. guy right there. The bailiff walks us into the jury room and you know puts down all the paperwork that you got to fill out and you know sets it in the middle of the table and there's six of us and uh, the uh, he says, "Well, first thing you guys need to do is select a foreman." And so he leaves the room and I mean it's like it's like Ouija board. People keep pushing it away from them. <laughs> and you know, finally after it goes, I'm the third guy that he gets gets pushed to. And I look down the table and I'm like, if you guys want me to do this, I'll do it. If nobody else wants to, I'll do it. And they're like, Yes, please do it. I'm like, okay. So you never volunteer for that, Aaron. Never. Well, uh, you know, I all I can say is that we listen to the facts in the case. And that we had uh, lively discussion on the evidence in the jury room. That, that that we, when we took our first vote, we were five to one, five guilties to one not guilty. And uh, so we 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 went on for a very long time, and I was very concerned that we were going to deliver a hung jury. But fortunately, we were able to work through the concerns, and we delivered a unanimous verdict of guilty. So we instead served, of see, uh, we served up a harsh serving of justice. That's the so, reason to take foreman to get over with as fast as possible. <laughs> so it's meant to vote your way. Instead of being a hung jury, you are a hanging jury. That's right. Harsh dollop of justice is what we you say. can't you can't litter you can't litter in Aaron's neighborhood without getting strung up <laughs> without being sentenced to the phantom zone. <laughs> Ironically, it was a case about uh, lynching someone who bought that ex- that issue of X Men. Our, uh, our our case was a uh, the uh, guy had gotten a ticket for walking in the street when a sidewalk was present. <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't jaywalking. Come on. Wow. No, that's, not actually, that's not actually jaywalking. He wasn't crossing the street. He that's was just right. walking, he was in, walking the in the street 
when a sidewalk was present. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> True story. Ooh, and I literally, literally almost was a hung jury. <laughs> and I mean, I, and I, it was all I could do not to say, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> In fact, the, the, the judge tells us before the trial even starts, she says, you know, you guys will determine the verdict. And then if it's guilty, I'll determine the punishment and the punishment will be either a dollar or $200. And I really wanted to raise my hand and say, can I just write a check? because you know if that's what it is that's worth my time to go back to the office (laughs) so yeah you could put that in your expense account i mean that's right that's right yeah i I was just i was disgusted by it so how much how much how much did the the fee turn out to be i don't know because they walk us out of the room before she you know uh applies the penalty but here's what kills me is that the uh, it, it literally the 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 the, uh, the crime <laughs> was walking in the street when a sidewalk was present. Now, <laughs> your tax dollars at work, Texas. Oh, oh my God! Oh my God! I mean, you're looking around the room and you've got a judge, you've got her two staff, one of which is the stenographer, and I don't know what the other person does. And then you've got the bailiff, and then you've got two attorneys, and you've got six guys who are missing work you know, to do this. So at a minimum, you've got all of those people who are not being productive. You know, they're not doing something that's really worthwhile because this asshole chose to go for a jury trial instead of just paying for his fucking ticket. <laughs> and so I'm trying not to prejudge him, but I'm already pissed off at him because you know, <laughs> what he, what he did was he was like, well, you know, I'll go to jury trial and hope the cop doesn't show up so that, you know, maybe I don't have to pay the fine. And so the first thing, the first thing out of his lawyer's mouth, once the trial starts, you know, you've got the, 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 the city attorney comes up, talks about what the issues are, yada, yada. You know, I'm going to bring the policeman here. who's going to talk about, you know, what he saw, yada, yada. He sits down first thing out of the defense attorney's mouth. Let's just call it what it is. It's Jay. This man got a ticket for jaywalking for being black in the city of Arlington. <laughs> and yeah, I, that's a way to win over the jury. <laughs> well, and I and I take a look at the jury. Me, four other white guys, and one black fella. <laughs> now I, I hate to say this. No, I, I feel I feel dirty. <laughs> In when when you were voting, uh, what was the skin color of the one guy who was holding out for it not the, guilty? It was the black fella. Uh-huh. Well, and I, you know, I'm like, he has alienated because I'm immediately pissed off that all of a sudden we're that, that this guy's playing the race card for what essentially is jaywalking, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, really? I mean, we go from from the OJ trial to this. That's that's what's our threshold now for, for playing race when there is no evidence, no, nothing, no testimony, no evidence brought into play other than the fact that the defendant was 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 a black fella. I mean, it was the most offensive thing I have ever seen, and I, it was a, it was a direct play to go for a hung jury, because that was the issue. Is that he the uh, the the one gentleman? He was like, yeah, I believe he was in the street. I just don't think he was guilty. And I'm like, the law is <laughs> that if, if he was in the street, he was breaking the law. Yeah, but I don't think he was guilty. I believe he was in the street, but I don't think he was guilty. It was it was amazing. <laughs> It was amazing. And again, it was almost a hung jury. Justice. Aaron's like Batman. 
serving justice <laughs> in the city of Arlington. It it was uh, it was disturbing. I just to see how how all that worked. It was just I I I needed a shower when I was done. I needed to cleanse my palate by reading Saga number. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the end of the podcast, folks. <laughs> chunk, chunk. <laughs> Judge Head has spoken. He I, is the law. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. So sad. So lonely.